Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking leadership and workplace ethics with Matt Quaid. Dr. Quaid serves as the Kimberly and Aaron P. Graff Professor in Christian Leadership in Business in the Department of Management at Baylor's Handcammer School of Business. He also is director of Handcammer's Christian Leadership and Ethics Office. A prolific researcher and nationally recognized expert on workplace ethics, Quaid examines a variety of topics related to ethical leadership and management practices. His work has been featured nationally in Harvard Business Review, Consumer Affairs, and more. And we're pleased to have him today on the program. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Looking forward to talking about some uh, interesting and important topics with you. Thanks for having me, Derek. I'm excited to be here. Well, we've uh, I've enjoyed seeing your work and business review, and uh, we've seen it featured on Baylor Proud. Excited to have you on the show. And just to start off high level, as we talk about business ethics, was that always a topic that interested you? What what led you down this path in your career? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, even as a child, was always kind of a high justice kind of kid who really saw the difference between right and wrong, and and felt like as a first child, classic rule follower, wanted other people to get in trouble if they did the wrong thing. And um, so as I began a PhD um, after my career in industry, ethics was a topic that really kind of captured my attention most. Um, and a faculty member at Oklahoma State where I earned my PhD, um, her background was primarily in behavioral ethics. And so um, really got connected to her. And as I studied the literature more and more, felt like that's really what resonated with me most. Um, and what had fascinated me even in the early parts of my career um, after I finished my undergrad was just kind of how people behave in organizations and what causes them to uh, to engage in ethical ways or to to stray from those things. And so, yeah, I've I've uh, really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to even what lies ahead for me. When we talk about workplace ethics and management ethics, well, there's so many different uh, avenues down which you could explore those topics. So for you, how do you begin to, to break that into different pieces that you can really focus on? How do different uh, avenues within workplace ethics sort of come to the forefront for you in your research? Sure. Most of the, the work that I've done centers around leadership in some way. Um, so I would say most of my research... Uh, interest lies around kind of the intersection of ethics and leadership, uh, primarily because uh, at the root of it, I've also, since since being really young, like loved leadership. The, the uh, early Matt Quaid in, in high school wanted to be a basketball coach. Um, I uh, loved sports and, and kind of wanted to be a college basketball coach and spent time actually as a, a basketball manager during my undergraduate experience at the University of Tulsa. And so for me, I'm fascinated by how people respond to those that are that are leading them. And so when I think about ethics, I always want to look through, think about it or look at it through the lens of um, how engagement with one's direct supervisor, direct leader really impacts um, the person's ability to engage in, in you know, ethical or unethical ways. And so have really looked then at ethics uh, from a leadership perspective, kind of in three different ways. I've had projects that look at ethical leadership. Um, I've had projects that look at um, forms of unethical leadership, like abusive supervision. Um, and then I've also done studies that look at kind of what we would call ethically neutral or amoral uh, leadership, kind of somewhere in the middle where we're not, we're not sure what that leader, where they stand when it comes to ethics. So um, really anything that, that centers in one of those three domains will, will grab my attention and be something I'd be interested in looking at more, more in depth. 
talking with Matt Quaid. And Matt, it might be helpful as we uh, visit for these next 20 minutes of show for everyone to know what your definition of uh, ethical leadership is. When we talk about that, what's your definition? Yeah, that's a great question, Derek. So um, really, ethical leadership is defined by people or managers who um, who really do two things. They um, they're, they're what we would call an ethical or, or moral person. So they actually um, living these things out, the things that they preach in the organization about um, upholding policies and standards and doing things the right way and, and caring about how we, uh, not just about the results that we get, but how we get those results. Um, they actually live those things out um, themselves. So there is the, the moral or ethical person component, but then there's also the moral or ethical manager component. So they actually manage towards these things. They actually um, uphold those hold, those high standards for other people. So um, if they're managing someone who's who's not meeting those ethical standards, they're actually going to address those issues and they're going to um, levy consequences or they're going to try and redirect and bring people back in line with the ethical standards of the organization. And so um, that's kind of a long definition, but hopefully it gives a framework to the listener of this is what we mean by ethical leadership. It's really someone who um, talks about ethics, but also lives it out. You, know, you recently and by recently within the last few years had studies on bottom line mentality that really drew some uh, some interest from media outlets and uh, and people within the business world. And take us through that uh, a little bit. When did you begin to study this topic and what brought that to the forefront for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I was at Oklahoma State, my dissertation advisor, Rebecca Greenbaum, who's now at Rutgers University, um, she had published a paper in 2012 on bottom line mentality, which was sort of the seminal work on this topic within the management literature. Uh, certainly, the idea of someone having a bottom line mentality is not a, a new topic in the last 10 years. Uh, many many listeners are going like, yeah, I've, I've, I've been around people who have that kind of mentality in the workplace for the last 50 years. My whole career, I've been exposed to people like that, but it hadn't really been studied in management literature. So we didn't know what caused people to have that kind of mentality. We didn't know what the results of it were. Um, and so that was something she'd been studying for a couple of years as I started my PhD. Um, and so we began to work on some, some papers together. And, and uh, I was just really fascinated by this idea that, that when someone is really only motivated by bottom line results, typically what we're focused on there is money, right? Profits, um, financial outcomes at the expense of other things. Because um, the, the kind of definition of bottom line mentality is that's one dimensional thinking um, and sort of negating or excluding other factors uh, that it can really have these these negative effects, particularly on ethics, usually. And so um, began studying the topic really uh, 2013, 2014, and have published several papers on it now where um, we're, we're kind of seeing these negative effects, uh, you know, it, it impacts people in negative ways. And, and he'd even recently published a study, one of my most recent studies uh, found that, that um, you know, when, you're, when your leader or your supervisor has a bottom line mentality, it can even transfer into your home life where it has negative implications for you at home. And so um, I believe this is a really kind of detrimental leadership uh, attitude or mindset and, and kind of want to help people steer away from it, have a more balanced approach to how they manage people. It needs to be a balanced approach. Um, certainly, and I teach this in my classes here at Baylor, like uh, being an ethics professor, it's easy for me to, to talk a lot about ethics in the classroom. But at the end of the day, um, you do have to sell a product or service that will make money so that your company can exist, right? Um, but what's important is that you're doing that in an ethical way. And so similarly with bottom line mentality, absolutely, leaders need to focus on bottom line outcomes and making sure their employees are achieving 
results and metrics that the organization has set out for them, but it's important how they do those things as well. So when there's that hyper focus on on the bottom line at the expense of other things, you, you said there's negative effects uh, at home, at work, among employees, among the people they, they lead. Take us through what some of those look like. What are some of the practical ways that this bottom line mentality impacts people around them? Yeah, so the literature is, is getting more and more robust. If you were to uh, to jump on, on Google Scholar, which is a place where you can find a lot of the uh, scientific literature that's out there, and you, and you just typed in bottom line mentality, you'd see kind of the, the uh, expanse of research that has taken place in the last 10 years on this topic. And uh, pretty quickly, you would notice like all of these papers that are signaling some of these negative outcomes. And, and so I'll just list a few of them. Um, one of them is social undermining among coworkers. So it would be, you know, Derek, if you and I were, were coworkers and our, and our boss um, engaged with this bottom line mentality, then I'd be more likely to figure out ways, well, I'm, gosh, I'm kind of competing against Derek. And so maybe I'll even undermine him to make sure that I am more successful than he is. And so um, that's, that's one outcome. Um, another outcome is um, actually uh, kind of reduced performance. And that's one of, what one of my papers shows is that um, employees, because they feel less connected to their boss, they feel less supported by their boss or manager who has this bottom line mentality. It actually uh, decreases their performance. So this thing that the that the that the boss wants most, this bottom line performance, actually sometimes doesn't happen because the employee doesn't feel supported uh, the way he or she might want to. Um, again, some of the things I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, some of these outcomes that even can trickle outside of the organization into someone's home life uh, that could cause um, the employee to to have kind of relationship tension uh, among family members. And so. Um, you know, we've there. There are only one or two studies that are trying to identify. Well, what are some of the positives of bottom line mentality, and and that research is, uh, you know, not really coming to the forefront as much yet. Visiting with Matt Quaid and Matt, you interviewed both supervisors and the people they supervise uh, in, in these and other studies. And I'm curious, what what kind of questions do you ask to get at those answers? Because I'm going to guess most employees just aren't eager to say, yeah, I, I don't give my best because, you know, that, that's probably not what they're eager to say. So what are some of the questions that have been most meaningful for you to unlock really useful information? Yeah, that's a that's a great question too, Derek, because a lot of times people will ask me like, so what do you research? <laughs> How does that work? And so uh, it's helpful to just to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm a behavioral researcher uh, within the business school. Uh, most all of my colleagues in, in the management department would be doing similar studies where they would be asking uh, participants, men and women who are out in the workforce to be um, responding to survey questions, items that make up a scale construct like bottom line mentality or like performance or like ethical leadership. And, and we would ask them four or five questions that they would rate on a five or seven point scale, usually from like a strongly disagree to strongly agree. And we would, um, you know, conduct analyses to determine like, okay, here's where they sit on performance. Here's where they sit on bottom line mentality. Here's where they sit on ethical leadership, for example. And, and um, a lot of times those questions are things like, um, if we were talking about performance, for example, it might be things like um, I complete uh, the things that are expected of me on a regular basis, or um, I perform at a high level regularly, or um, I'm meeting the expectations that my supervisor has for me. Um, if we were talking about ethical leadership, it might be questions like um, I consider the welfare of my employees, or um, I care about the way that my organization achieves results, um, or I uphold high ethical standards, or I hold people accountable. And so uh, we can ask these, these uh, survey items of, of 
these different constructs, and then we can run you know, these mathematical analyses to kind of determine what the results are showing us in these samples that we study. That's really fascinating. I guess different pieces of the mosaic that blend together to, to give you that more complete look. Yeah, well, it, right. it, well, if someone's a leader who's listening, and I, I would imagine most leaders these days in some level or another feel the pressure of changing workplaces, of environments, just a, there's a lot of change around us. So what are some takeaways you'd like leaders to have, particularly as you th- talk to, you know, what, what employees expect from their supervisors or what helps employees you know, perform at their best beyond even just simply, I mean, obviously, I think as Christians, we want to make sure we're behaving ethically, but what are some ways that we can really get into the weeds on that? Yeah. um, You know, I think, I think a big thing that we see pretty robustly in the research, and we've got scholars here in the business school who do a lot of work on servant leadership. I've done just a little bit and published on it, um, less so than some of my colleagues, but, uh, I think the literature is pretty robust that employees want to work for for leaders and supervisors who care about them and who care about their career. Um, And and frankly, that's what we teach our students, that as you go out into the workforce as a leader, um, you need to to shepherd and steward the resources you're given. And one of those resources you're given are the people that are under your charge as a leader. Um, And so you ought to to engage them regularly. You ought to to uh, try to, to, to cultivate development within them in their career and, and provide opportunities for them to grow and be seeking out um, ways to help expose them to learning opportunities within the, in the organization or uh, ways to expose them to, to uh, new opportunities or new levels within the organization. And so um, that, that's time consuming, right, Derek? I mean, I tell my students all the time, like the challenge for leaders is, um, you know, part of your role as a leader or manager is to still do the actual work that's a part of your job, but a main part of your job is actually to manage your people, right, which is a full-time job in and of itself, and so uh, it's time-consuming, and frankly, I think a lot of times uh, that's the the part that can fall by the wayside because a, a, a leader, a boss goes, well, I don't have time to go manage my people well. I got to focus on the bottom line or the things that that my boss expects me to complete, and so, um really like my encouragement to students and to stakeholders when I talk to them is to uh, to begin to create um, a rhythm, like a leadership rhythm where you're, you're thinking about uh, what are the ways that I can build out routines or habits that will allow me to really support and encourage the people I'm leading that feels natural almost, but also that, that allows me to make sure that it happens, that I really am making time to lead these people well. Um, so it's kind of a roundabout way to try and list some things that might be actionable for people and, and we can keep talking and maybe I can list a few more or, um, see what other questions you might have here. No, that's a great description. Some of it just sounds like being purposeful to make sure you are, uh, delving into people's lives as we visit with Matt Quaid, Kimberly and Aaron Peekraft, professor in Christian leadership in business in the department of management at Baylor's hand camera school of business. Maybe a better way for me to put that would be you getting to know your employees as people and what they're facing and, you know, building that, uh, some of those bonds. And as we talk about that, another area of your research, amoral leadership, uh, when you, what, what does your research in amoral re- management look like? Where, where, where do you go with that. Yeah, I'm, it's hard because I don't want to say this is my favorite kind of, of research or my favorite topic of research um, because it's it's uh, pretty negative a- as well. But um, and, it, and maybe I should say ethical leadership is my favorite because it leads to all these good things and it promotes ethical cultures. But I think amoral management is a really good warning sign for people to be aware of and even for our listeners to kind of consider um, how am I viewed by the people I'm leading? So here's what amoral management is. Amoral management or you can think of it as ethically neutral leadership. If we think about ethics and morals being sort of synonymous for most people in their minds, 
um, is, is essentially just the absence of talking about um, morals or ethics with the people that you lead. So you're just silent. When, when there's an ethical issue, you just sort of try and be quiet about it and, and kind of uh, hold your tongue. You don't speak into those ethical situations. Uh, if there's a moral or ethical dilemma on your work team, you just you kind of go dark. Uh, you try and let other people deal with it or you try and let other people solve the problem. Um, you're not proactively talking about ethics or morals with people. So you're, you're, you're quiet on those issues from the outset. So maybe you're not doing a lot of training around that for your people. Um, what's fascinating about this, Derek, is there's been other research done that, uh, that leads us to believe that of the, if we want to have kind of if, think about three types of ethics-based leaders, we would have ethical leaders, we would have ethically neutral or amoral in the middle, and then we would have unethical uh, on the far, on the other far side of it. Uh, of those three categories, we believe the most common, unfortunately, might be the ethically neutral or amoral. Um, that 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 might be the most common category for someone to find themselves is. And and, and frankly, like I, I kind of think that's true because it's really hard to talk to people about ethics because if and this is what I talk about in class all the time. If I sit you down, Derek, as my employee, and say, hey, you know, we need to talk about this issue, right? And I begin to go into this big thing about ethics. Well, immediately, I'm 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 perceived as judging you. I'm perceived as uh, positioning myself as better than you. And so a lot of us don't really want to give that signal to people, right? Like we don't want to signal that I think I'm better than you or that I'm judging you or that I could potentially be a hypocrite someday if I ever uh, fail. And so because of that, a lot of people don't have the, the confidence and they sit sort of in that amoral seat and they just try to be quiet about these things. What my research finds is that amoral management leads to unethical behavior. And as you might expect, unethical leadership also leads to unethical behavior. And so what I teach in my classes is that, hey, if there's three categories of ethics-based leadership, two of them are really bad, right? Two of them are actually going to end up in the negative uh, outcome in terms of how your employees are likely to engage when it comes to ethics. And so um, if it's true that this is the most common category, we really have to help people develop an ethical voice. And so that's what I'm really passionate about in my classes and with stakeholders who I get to engage is trying to equip them to develop an ethical voice, to really feel confident in talking about ethics with the people that they're around in the workplace. I think a lot of people could probably relate to what you just said. So what are some ways that, that, that people who want to have a positive impact and don't want to let those issues go by the wayside and fester? What are some ways they can kind of positively flex that muscle no matter what kind of you know, we're here at Baylor in a Christian school environment. Others may not be. What does that, sure. how can people kind of flex that muscle or exercise that muscle, maybe a better way to put it, in different settings? Yeah, so there's there's three or four things that I usually try to help people think about that, that to me seem pretty practical or kind of targets that people can aim for. Number one is to is to be respectful, right? Like, um when I'm, when I'm talking with someone, I can always take a posture of humility and respect, right? And, and even we teach a lot of our students in a, in a Christian leadership scholarship program I get to lead about Ephesians 4 leadership. And in Ephesians 4, 1, Paul talks about, um, you know, approaching things with humility. And so um, I can be humble and respectful towards anyone I'm talking to, even if I'm having to correct them uh, as an employee. So being respectful. Uh, number two would be to be clear, um, I, I can be really clear in my expectations as a leader. I can say, you know what, here's what the policy says, or here's what my expectations are as your leader. And I'm really specific and really clear about those things. Um, the third one is to be consistent, right? I have to, uh, as a leader, be consistent across um, as much as I can across all people and all situations. And, and when I am consistent, uh, that gives me more confidence, which is the fourth one is to be confident. Like when I'm 
when I'm consistent in the way I'm levying ethical expectations across my work team, then I don't have to kind of waver. And, and it gives me more confidence to feel like I have ground to stand on because my employees know, hey, this is what Matt expects as a leader. And, uh, and this is what he expects in our team. And so I'm, I shouldn't be surprised if I didn't meet that standard or if we uh, maybe got too far into the gray area on this issue. Like I, I should expect that he's going to pull me back to, to what's clear and what's right for us as, as a team on this issue. And so those are kind of the four approaches that I try to help people think about that can be sort of targets for them. Um, and, and my hope is that as people uh, just aim for kind of one at a time, that they can have some development and, and, not, um, and not get discouraged, but feel like, hey, these are actionable steps I'm taking that over time can help me become a more ethical leader. So humility, clarity, uh, consistency, and, and confidence. So those great four right. takeaways from Matt Quaid as we visit here on, on Baylor Connections. Well, Matt, we're heading into the final couple of minutes of the program. We, we, we could probably do a lot longer on, on unethical behavior. We'll have to, uh, to talk to you another time uh, about that. I guess, the, are those the ones that uh, the best case scenario is a company-wide email? The worst case is all you're on the news? Or, I mean, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but is that kind of what we're getting into when you talk about that? Yeah, um, and and I guess the one um, the one thing I would say that the listeners might hear, and it would be kind of a quick one, is this one of my first studies that I did after I got to Baylor, and it looks at uh, kind of the impact of the interaction of unethical behavior and performance. And what we found is, you know, people will stay away from coworkers who are engaging in bad behavior, unethical behavior, whether that's lying, cheating, stealing, uh, falsifying expense report re expense reports, those kinds of things. But if that person is a high performer they're not likely to, to stay away from them, right? So at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to that bottom line mentality thing of where performance talks, right? Money talks. And so if we see someone as this high performer, then we're still gonna try to stay associated with them, even if they're behaving badly. And so what we need to really be clear on as leaders and organizations is that uh, it's not just about bottom line, it's not just about performance, but it really is how we achieve those results. And then helping that be a culture that the whole, whole organization takes on that, Hey, we want to be high, high performing. We want to be high achieving, but it matters how we get there. Matt Quaid, really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining us and look forward to visiting with you again. Thanks, Derek. And thanks for what you do on this podcast and, and uh, helping connect um, the great things that are happening here at Baylor with, with all of our great stakeholders. Well, I really appreciate that. Really no shortage of great people to talk to around here. I'm glad to have you on the program today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Matt Quaid, Kimberly and Aaron P. Graff, Professor in Christian Leadership in Business in the Department of Management at Baylor's Handcammer School of Business, our guest today on Baylor Connections. He also serves as Director in Handcammer's Christian Leadership and Ethics Office. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online, baylor.edu slash connections. You can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.